0: Hello, how are you? And welcome back to Victoria's podcast on Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem. Today we're going to talk about the disturbing story of Shelly Notak, the serial killer mom who brutalized her own family. In addition to abusing and humiliating her daughters, Shelley Notak would open her family home to wayward friends and family in order to manipulate and torture them. Shelley appeared to lead a charmed life. She had a caring husband by her side and was raising her three daughters in a home in Washington. The couple was known for their selflessness. Selflessness, I'll try that again. And invited struggling friends and relatives to live with them. But then those guests began to slowly disappear. The first person to vanish was her old friend, Cathy Loreno. They had lived together in Shelley's home for five years before she disappeared in 1994. Shelley assured anyone who asked that Lorenzo had simply started a new life somewhere else. She said this is when two other people vanished from her home too. Finally, Shelley's three daughters bravely came forward with a harrowing tale. All three of them had been physically abused by their parents and their guests were killed. They said Shelley had starved, drugged and tortured her victims, forced her guests to jump off the roof, drenched their open wounds in bleach, and made them drink their own urine. While Shelley had been in prison since 2004, she is chillingly set for release this month, June 2022 with her daughters terrified of what could happen next. Shelley was born on April the 15th, 1964. She never strayed too far from her hometown of Raymond, Washington. Not even her 18-year prison stint, years later, took her further than two hours north of where she was born. I suppose you could say she was a bit of a home bird. According to the New York Times journalist Greg Olson, who published a tell-all on Shelley in 2019, the killer's early life was riddled with trauma. The oldest of three siblings, Shelley was raised by an alcoholic mother who seemingly abandoned her kids. Unable to process her grief, Shelley tormented her younger brothers. But her behaviour truly became concerning when she was 13 and learned that her mother hadn't abandoned them at all but was actually beaten to death. According to her daughters, Shelley responded to this news with pyromania, theft and filling her own shoes with glass. After falsely accusing her father of rape at 15, Shelley was sent to live with her grandmother before eloping, with her first husband at 17. Those closest to her claimed that after being initially charmed by her, all three of her successive spouses suffered under her physical and emotional cruelty. In 1987, Shelley married her third and final husband, David. He was a construction worker, whom Shelley routinely abused. Twice divorced with two daughters of his own, 12-year-old Nikki and 9-year-old Sammy. David's new wife only grew more sadistic as time went on. Shelley's first victim moved into her home in 1988. It was her 13-year-old nephew, Shane, whose father was in jail and his mother too destitute to care for him. Later that same year, Shelley welcomed her old friend Cathy Loreno, who had lost her job and needed a bit of help. Shelley took the torturing her nephew Shane. Almost immediately, she dubbed her lifestyle, or sorry, she dubbed her style of reprimanding him, as "wallowing," which she employed for things. As going to the bathroom without asking, she even ordered him to stand outside naked in the cold and dumped water on him. Shelley's daughters weren't spared either. She mocked her oldest two her eldest two stepdaughters by casually ordering them to give her handfuls of their pubic hair. Their wallowing often included. Being caged in a dog kennel, she even shoved Nicky's head through a glass door one day. Could you imagine the pain of that? Somebody shoving your head through a glass door. Look what you made me do," she told the child. Shelley seemed to spare someone, however, her infant Tori, who was born the following year. Meanwhile, she forced her nephew and Nick- Nicky to nakedly dance together as she laughed. After torturing her children and nephew, she would drop love bombs of utter affection on them. Shelley's deceptive positivity and warmth welcomed Loreno in December 1988. So that was her friend. But she soon began abusing her too. With nowhere else to go, Loreno started performing forced labour in the nude, being fed nightly sedatives and sleeping next to the basement boiler. Shelley graduated to murder in 1994. By this time, Loreno had almost lost more than 100 pounds and died after Shelley beat her to death. Shelley convinced her spouse and kids that they'd all be incarcerated if they told outsiders. So David burned Loreno's corpse. If anyone asked Shelley, simply explained that Loreno had run off with her lover. But her nephew recognized the horrors in his environment. He showed his cousin Nikki some photos he took of Loreno while she was still alive. Horribly malnourished, which he planned to show to the police. But Nikki told her mother about this plan and David responded by shooting her nephew in the head in February 1995. The reason why my mom was able to control David was because while I love him, he's just a very weak man, Sammy said. He has no backbone. He could have got happily married and been an amazing husband to someone because he really would have been. But instead, he just got his life ruined too. Before justice found them, they took one more victim. Shelley's friend, Ron, who moved in in 1999. Ron was a 57 year old with a drug problem shortly after settling in he was berated by Shelly as being an ugly lowlife who could use a steady diet of pills and beatings to get his life together he wasn't even allowed to use the bathroom and was instead forced to go outside I mean you wouldn't even do that to a dog do you know Meanwhile, in 2002, Shelley took over the care of James McClintock, an 81-year-old retired merchant crewman. James reportedly willed Shelley his $140,000 estate once his black lab sissy died. Perhaps coincidentally, perhaps not, McClintock died from a head wound. I mean, say no more like, he allegedly suffered after falling in his home. The police, however, were never able to successfully link Shelley to his death. Back at home, Shelley demanded that Woodworth cut ties with his family, forced him to drink his own urine, then ordered him to jump off the roof. He didn't die from the two-story fall, but was badly injured. Then Shelley poured bleach over his wounds to which he succumbed in August 2003. With his corpse in the freezer Shelley told Wordworth's friends that he had gotten a job and moved away. David eventually buried him in their yard but it was Wordworth's disappearance that led now 14 year old Tori to realize what was happening in her family. Her older sisters had moved out by this time But when Tori told them what she believed had happened, they urged her to gather Woodworth's belongings so they could make their case to the authorities, and she did. The police investigated Shelley's property in 2003, and that's when they found Woodworth's buried body. David and Shelley were arrested on August 8th of that year. While Tori was placed in her sister Sammy's custody, David confessed to shooting Watson, burying Woodworth five months later. He was charged with second degree murder for shooting his nephew. He served 13 years. Shelley, meanwhile, was charged with second degree murder and manslaughter for the deaths of Loreno and Woodworth. She was sentenced to 22 years, but is scheduled for early release this month. Her family is deeply concerned about her release. Sammy said, if she ever turns up on my doorstep, I can just see myself locking all my doors and barricading myself in the bathroom until the police come. Her sisters, Nikki and Sammy, are now in their mid-40s. They both live in Seattle, while their sister, Tori, needed a change of scenery and moved to Colorado. David was paroled in 2018 and has been forgiven by his children. But Shelley remains a terrifying presence. For all three women. Women and, their impen- and her impending release. A source of terror. You know what? I can't actually blame her. Blame the kids. Firstly for forgiving their father. I mean it's obvious that he was a coward. He was easily bullied. And manipulated by his wife. And I've seen that in a lot of relationships. Not necessarily one's where they kill but definitely in a lot of relationships where the woman her word goes and he just follows suit like a little puppy following somebody around so obviously the daughters decided to forgive him but her she was an evil evil piece of work a monster really and to think that this month she could be out free and start a whole new life for herself and whatever's wrong with her I mean, obviously, she had a traumatic life. I mean, to think your mother abandoned you and then find out that she was beaten to death is not going to sit right with anybody. But the damage that was done to her has never been fixed. And if it's never been fixed, then she's going to go out and commit the same crimes again. To kill your own nephew, I have two nephews now, and I would actually give my life for them. I would run into a burning building for them. I love them so much that I could never imagine hurting a hair on their head and yet she ensured that her nephew died i mean i can't even imagine that all because he was going to tell the police of what she was doing at home to do what they did is a very monstrous act it's pure evil and i don't believe that she should ever see the light of day again i mean so many people died so many people hurt so many families ruined lives ruined That's my opinion on it. Hopefully she doesn't get early release and she doesn't get paroled. I'm sure if she says the right things and behaves the right way, she probably will. You know, a little bit of, I found Jesus when I was inside. Seems to help some of the parolees. As for her daughters, I would definitely fear for their safety if she was released because she's going to be angry. It was because of them that she'd done 18 years in prison. And as for her ex-husband, if I was him, I would make sure she never found me. She probably is quite charming. A lot of people like that are. The neighbours probably love her. A lot of the neighbours do. You know, they're very popular. Very charismatic, I suppose, to the wider community. But at home, they're just monsters. I hope her children went on and got counselling and got the help that they needed to overcome their childhood and all the situations that they had seen and witnessed and the cruelty and the abuse that was done to them. So that is today's podcast in Anyway, about Shelley and her murderous streak. It's actually raining here today in Ireland, but still quite warm out, but raining. I'm going to work now in half an hour, so I said I better do this podcast really quickly it's been one that I wanted to do I have a few more podcasts in my mind of what I want to do but I need to do the research on them one of them is Ireland's youngest missing child she's also Ireland's longest missing child as far as I know that is a really really good story I mean there's so many twists and turns and everybody in the whole country knows that she's been murdered and nearly everybody knows who did it and it's a really, really good, it's a very sad story, but it's a good podcast that I'd really like to cover. Um, I've been crazy busy today. I've been organizing my closets and my husband was playing a cricket match that they won, thank God, and I was making him a celebratory meal, his favorite meal, which is chicken pasta. And his friends are here now and they're all enjoying that and we have Malteser chocolate cake as well. And I'm just going to upload this podcast and then go to work. This is a bank holiday weekend here in Ireland, so we're having a nice long extra weekend. So I hope you have an amazing weekend. I hope the weather's a little bit more sunnier wherever you are. And thank you once again for listening to today's podcast. And I hope you have an amazing weekend.